before before we dive in, let's all uh, let's all take a deep breath. Let's let it out. That was not actually for you kids. That was for your parents. Okay. Um, one very helpful thing that Fifth Sundays do for us in our in our own discipleship as adults. For any of you Type Aers out there who love um, perfect order and control, these Sundays. Jesus, he's pushing back on that a little bit. Jesus welcomed children. He welcomed the, uh, the quiet hum of the noise they make, and that's okay. And we embrace that, and we love it. Sound good? All right. We're going to dive in, as I said earlier, into the memory verse that these kids memorized this week. And when I say I'm going to talk for about 10 minutes, I really mean it. Maybe 15, all right? But we're going to dive into 1 Timothy. You can start turning there. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll have it on the screen as well. So we're going to read it, and kids, when we get to the memory verse, I need you guys to say it with me, okay? I'll let you know when we get there. It's going to be 1 Timothy chapter 1, and I'm actually, I'm going to, we're going to zoom out a little bit outside of our memory verse, okay? We're going to start in verse 12. It says this, I thank him who has given me strength. Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord Jesus overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. All right, kids, here we go. You ready? Here is a saying that is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Great job. 1 Timothy 1.15. And Paul continues, he says, the, uh, Christ Jesus who saved sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But, again, he says, I received mercy. For this reason, that in me as the foremost of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll talk about this passage. God, thank you for your one big story. Please help us in this time of Bible study to see how the Apostle Paul, his personal story, shows us what you're up to in the big story. And God, our prayer is that every single one of us, young or old, everything in between, that we would all find our story in yours. That we would accept your invitation into your family. So God, open our ears, focus our, our minds, soften our hearts to your truth. May we see that it's all about Jesus, it's all motivated by your love, and it's all for your glory. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. So as, as we've been saying, this week of Eureka, we had four days, Tuesday through Friday. On day one, we learned about how God created everything. And what does that mean for us? If God made everything, that means he made us, which means he is Lord over us, or he is king. He has a right over his creation. That's what we learned on day one. Day two, we learned how Adam and Eve, even though God had a design, a plan for 
the way for them to live. They didn't actually follow that plan. They decided to, to depart from God, and we call that sin. They decided to just ignore what God said, and they thought, you know what, I'll be in charge of myself. I don't actually need God, and we all do that, right? We depart from what God has told us, and we talked on day two about rebellion. That's sin, departing from God's design. But day three is where it really gets good, right? Because does God leave us? He just abandoned us and leave us there? Does he do that? No, absolutely not. Day three is about redemption and how God sends his very own son, God the son, God himself, comes down as a human to live the life according to God's design, following his commands without sin, the life we couldn't live. Then he dies a death he didn't deserve. In our place, he dies on the cross. He raises up from the grave to defeat those enemies of sin and death and Satan himself. Jesus wins. And then on the last day, on Friday, we talked about restoration. Meaning that what Jesus did in the past actually is going to affect the future. He's coming back and he's going to make everything new and he's going to make everything right. That's the one big story. And our memory verse is tucked into Paul's personal story here in 1 Timothy. So the Apostle Paul, he wrote a lot of letters in the New Testament. And kids, let me ask you, do you know who Paul was before he was a Christian? Does anybody know? Close. That was Matthew. What do you know? Fisherman, that was some of the other disciples. Paul, he actually had a different name. Who said it? Christian. He was Saul. Paul was Saul, and uh, he was actually bad news. You guys know that? He hated Christians, and he would attack Christians. He would arrest them, get them in trouble. He was against Jesus and his church. But we see in his story, did God just abandon him and leave him alone? No, God pursued him and rescued him. That's what we're going to look at, how Paul's story, is. it shows us how God works on the big scale in the big story. So if we had to just really summarize God's story, I believe the Bible helps us do it in three words. You ready? This is one big story in three words, okay? God saves sinners. God saves sinners. Now that's a really short sentence. There's a whole lot of truth packed in there, right? So we're going to unpack it a little bit. And also that phrase, God saves sinners, it actually assumes a couple of things that I actually want to speak out loud because I don't want to assume too much, okay? So we're going to look at two things that are packed into that, that sentence, God saves sinners. We're going to look at God's motive behind his one big story. If God is writing all of history, what's his purpose? What's his goal? What's, that's, that's what motive means. What is, why? Why is God doing this? Why does he write his story this way? So we're going to look at God's motive, and then we're going to look at our response. Because there's a motive behind the good news that God saves sinners, and there's a response we can make to that good news. Sound good? All right, let's do it. First, God's motive. We'll look at three things that Paul mentions here. It's love, it's grace, and it's glory. Can you guys say that after me? Love, grace, Glory, love, grace, and glory. First is love. Did you guys know the Bible says God is love? 
God is love. That means everything God does, everything God says, everything God thinks, it is just soaked in love. It is fueled by His love. Everything. And we can't forget this. It, that's just who God is. That's how He operates. God is love. And we can't miss this because it's so easy for us to start to misunderstand God. We start to think things like, God is just so selfish. He wants everything to be about His glory. What a selfish God. Or maybe we think something like, it's so messed up how God judges sinners. Why can't He just let us be? Right? Anybody ever had, adults, you ever had those thoughts come into your mind? We start to think those things when we forget that God is love. And we forget that even God's justice, even His wrath is actually an expression of His love. They're not at war within Him. Because God has to make everything right. He can't, remember kids, we talked about, you've seen a kid getting bullied on the playground. That demands justice. God wants to make that right. And that's fueled by His love. Or let's talk about His glory, how God, the whole story is about His glory. The reason that's not sinfully selfish is because, did you know this? God's glory actually benefits others. <laughs> it's actually what's best, not just for God, it's best for all of us. So everything God does is fueled by His love, and what brings Him the most glory is enjoying His love and enjoying His grace. So let's move on to, to grace. That's the second thing. God is motivated by love, grace, and glory. So verse 14, I'll read that again. Paul says, And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So God saves sinners, not because we earned it, not because we're so awesome and special, not because He owed us anything. God saves sinners because He is overflowing with grace. That's His motive. That's what drives Him to write this one big story and to invite us into it. it is, it's like God giving us a present. He's handing us a gift. That's what grace is. It's for free. We don't pay for it. We didn't do anything to earn it. He's handing us a free gift. The last mode of God's glory, I'll read verses 16 and 17 again. It says, But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me Christ might display His perfect patience as an example, so that everybody can see it. Christ is putting His perfect love and patience on display for those who are to believe in Him for eternal life. And then He ends this way, To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor of and glory forever and ever. Amen. So God deserves all the honor and all the glory because of His love and His grace and how awesome they are. And like I was saying a second ago, God's glory is beneficial to others. It's, been, it's actually what's best for us. It doesn't hurt us to give God all the glory. Did you guys know that? It's actually... The way we give God glory is by enjoying Him. It's doing what we were created to do in the first place. So it doesn't hurt us to give God's, God glory. It's exactly what we were made to do. 
So how kind is God to create us in a way to where when we enjoy him and glorify him, that's actually what's best for us. So it doesn't hurt us to give God glory. That's what this whole story is about. Making a big deal about Jesus. You know, worshiping his name, telling other people all about it. So those are the motives. God's love, his grace, and his glory. And now, those are the things that fuel that good news that God saves sinners. So how do we respond to that? How, how do we react to that good news? What, what should we do? What, is, what does the Bible tell us we should do? Just a couple things. First, we receive. Can you guys say that? We receive. We receive. Paul says that twice in this passage. In verse 13 and then in verse 16, he says, but I received mercy. So it's like this. You know how I talked about grace is like God giving us a gift? The way we respond to this good news is we just receive it. We let God put that present into our hands and we, we receive it. That's how we respond. We say, thank you, God, for this free gift. I'll take it, right? We just receive that good news for ourselves. And there's two other things. So we receive it and then we repent and we believe it. So what does repent mean? I'll say this, you know that sentence, the three words, God saves sinners? In order for that sentence to be good news, you have to admit that you're somewhere in that sentence. And guess what? You're not God. So where are you in that sentence? Sinners. If that's going to be good news, you have to come to the place where you realize, oh, I do need help. I don't got this. I have departed, I have ignored God, I have rejected Him, I've done my own thing, I've sinned, therefore I need saving. And sometimes that's a really difficult place to admit that you're there, that you're in that sentence, God saves sinners. So what is repenting? That, that's part of our response. Repenting, let's say your, your life of sin and doing your own thing is this way, when you repent, what do you do? You turn away and say, I'm going to pursue the Lord now. Now, obviously, after we repent, are we going to be perfect from then on? No, of course not. Another way to think about it is it's, it's changing your mind, changing the way you think about your sin and the way you think about God. Instead of rejecting Him and ignoring Him, you, you change your mind, you repent and say, I will follow you. I will listen to you. I will obey you. And lastly, we believe. So we receive the gift for free, we repent of our sin, and we believe, meaning we put our trust in Jesus and what He's done for us. And we trust and believe that He alone is our way out from our sin. Like our hope is only in Jesus, what He's done for us. So instead of looking in here and trusting what's in here, Believing is looking outside of ourselves, looking to Jesus and what he did for us and say, I'm going to trust in that. The only reason I'm right with God is not because of what's in here. It's because what Jesus did outside of me. Okay? We believe. But we don't, actually, we don't only believe in what Jesus did in the past, but we, we do have to believe that. We also, as we talked about on Friday, we look forward in faith 
that Jesus is coming back. We believe that He's going to make all things new. We believe that we have a forever home with God. So we believe what Jesus did in the past. We believe what He's going to do in the future when He comes back. In all of this, as we're talking about our response to the good news that God saves sinners, it takes a a miracle, a supernatural act of God for us to be able to respond. He, it's like he wakes us up, right? He, He opens our eyes and he says, look, you've been walking this way, away from me, turn around, repent, come towards me. It takes a miracle for God to wake us up, to save us, right? So ask God to open your eyes. Ask Him for that faith. For, ask Him, say, God, let, let me receive this. In order to receive something, your, an, your hands have to be empty. So maybe you're holding on to something else. Maybe you're holding on. You say, I got this. I'm not that bad. Or maybe you're saying, my hope is in uh, my, my good grades. Or my hope is in my, how good I am at sports. But in order to receive that gift, ask God to help you let go of whatever it is you're holding on to, to to take that gift, to receive it. And for anybody here who might be thinking, this all sounds great uh, for, for church people, right? But I don't think you know who I am or the things I've done, the things I've thought, the things I've said. Um, maybe you you think, I'm too far gone, Right? I've done too much, I've seen too much. God could not forgive me, and even if he did, I could never forgive myself. Guess what? Verse 15, the last part, says this, the saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Do you know what Paul says? Of whom I am the worst. So guess what? If you think you're too far gone, God has already saved the chief of sinners. And if he can do that, he can save you. In fact, not only can he, he wants to. If you're in 1 Timothy, scroll down or flip over to chapter 2. And in verse 3, it says, This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. So what is, he, he says something about God our Savior. In verse 4, he desires that all people would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants to save you. Verse 5, for there's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So God saves sinners. It's the greatest story ever told. And it's the truest story ever told. He says this is a trustworthy saying, meaning it's true, and it deserves full acceptance. So the one big story, greatest story ever told, the truest story ever told, the question is, will you give it full acceptance? Will you respond and accept that truth, believe it for yourself? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love and your grace and for your glory God, I pray that every single person in here would respond, that you would do a miracle and bring our dead hearts back to life. We need you, Lord. Help us respond 
in, in receiving that free gift, in repenting of our sins, in believing, putting our trust that you've got us, that you took on that punishment we deserved in our place, and that you love us so much to do that on our behalf and to raise back from the dead so that those enemies, they have no power left, Lord. And now we, those who are in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit to empower us, to give us the strength we need to live for you now. So may we never stop responding to this good news. We need it. We need you, God. Thank you that in this one big story, we don't just get life. We don't just get forgiveness. We don't just get um, joy forevermore. The, the most important thing, Jesus, is we get you. Thank you. And I pray this in your name. Amen.